Welcome to the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. In our sermon series, Promise, we're looking at the nativity story to see how wrestling with longing can help us eliminate hurry from our lives. Today's speaker is Senior Minister Didi Bacon. Special night, special night to be here with you Christmas Eve. Been doing it for a number of years and uh, it's just always a blessing, always a blessing. Glad you've chosen to join us here at Mount Carmel Christian Church. If you're unaware of this, my name is Didi Bacon, and I get to serve as senior minister here at Mount Carmel. My wife has been setting up our dining room. Part of that setup has involved her putting together some curios that are in the corners, and in the curios, she's been putting in on the different shelves family heirlooms. Things from my family, things from her family. Lots of pictures. Pictures of my kids, pictures of grandparents, her side, my side. There are one shelf where there's just pictures of her and I. There's a picture that we just added recently, taken maybe about a month ago, that we've added to it. And I was just spending some time a couple days ago just looking, looking at those pictures. One picture that caught my attention, I picked it up and had a look at it and brought a smile to my face, was a picture of Shannon and I. Shannon, 19 years old, I was 21. It was our first big date, official date. Big smiles as we sat at a table on B&B Riverboat. I was dressed in a suit with a red tie, she was dressed in a red dress. We were part of uh, well, our school, our college at the time. It was the Valentine's thing we did called Hearts Day. It's a neat picture. I have a great memory of that. Although I don't have a good memory of an event that occurred before we got to the B&B Riverboat. See, we went together in the car, Shannon and I, and Shannon's roommate and her boyfriend... And as we were getting things into the car, her boyfriend who had bought, uh, her roommate's boyfriend, there we go, had bought some flowers and he had a, one of those balloons on a string and he was helping her get in the car and he gave me the balloon on a string to hold. But somehow there was a miscommunication, something happened in the transfer. Long story short, I didn't get the string. Next thing I know, I look up and this balloon is making its way to begin its tour of Price Hill, and, uh, and it's gone. And I felt terrible. I felt awful. Here's this guy. He got all the stuff, made a romantic gesture for his girlfriend, and he entrusts me with the balloon, and I mess up. I don't hold on to the balloon, and it's gone. And there's nothing I can do about it. I felt badly. I said, sorry, I'm sorry. And he was kind of gracious, but he wasn't. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, it's okay. It was horrible. It was an awful feeling standing there looking up at this balloon going away, knowing that I can't jump up, I can't get it, it's gone, it's gone. The situation was unredeemable. There was no way I was able by my own power to be able to get that balloon. When you read the story that comes to us from the Bible, you're first introduced with the concept 
that the world was created by a creator. In fact, the Bible says all creation speaks forth to the existence of God. And, and you have to be honest, if you look at creation and the way things work, with the planets and the order and the complexity of biology and the, just the amazing things that, that, that happen in life, you have to say, man, there had to be something behind this, and that something behind this had to have some kind of intelligence, and that some kind of intelligence had to have a purpose. Creation testifies to the reality of God. And then the Bible says not only does creation tell us about God, but creation also tells us, the Bible also tells us that this God who made everything has spoken well, not only can we know him in general ways, we can know him in specific ways because he spoke directly to people and told these people about himself and about life and about what he wants from us as human beings. He spoke to us. And in his communications, what we found out is that we were created to walk with God. Inside of each of us, God has set eternity. The writer of Ecclesiastes says there's a longing, there's a desire to connect with God, to have fellowship with God, to know God and to be known by God and to be able to be right with God in life. Yet there's a problem with this arrangement. While this was the original intent of creation, that original intent has been undermined, has been broken. You see, when God created the world as creator, he set a principle in place that we all live under. Call it the principle of law. The principle of law says the one who created all things set laws in motion that if you keep the law, you will escape the consequences of breaking the law. And if you break the law, you will suffer the penalty of breaking the law. And so, for instance... The law of gravity. If I don't jump in the air, if I keep my feet on the ground, well, I'm not violating the law of gravity. I'm not going to suffer the consequence of falling on the ground. But if I decide to climb up on a high place and jump, guess what? I'm going to suffer the consequence of violating the law of gravity, right? You keep the law... You escape the penalty. You break the law. You suffer the penalty. That seems logical. That seems right. That seems fair. Do the crime. Pay with the time, right? That's how the world is being created by the Creator. And in order to be right with God, what we find is that God has set upon laws that dictate how we're to relate to Him, how we're to walk with Him. We can call them the laws of wrong and right, morality. We can call them the laws of ethics. Whatever we want to say, there is laws that dictate how God wants us, his creation, to operate in life, to have life, to live in his creation. But we have broken those laws. and We have violated those laws. We have not fulfilled those laws and requirements. And because of that, we have now come under the penalty, right? We didn't keep the law. 
So we're escaping the penalty. No, we've broken the law and have suffered the penalty. And it's nothing that we can do about it. It's like that balloon that I let go. There's nothing I can do about it. Nothing in my power can redeem it. No amount of getting a second balloon and trying to make things right are going to get that balloon back because it's gone. It's, it's done. And I'm going to have to deal with the consequences of letting that balloon go. Just in the same way, every one of us is under the law and have to deal with the consequences of being lawbreakers. What are we going to do? It's a terrible place to be in. Because as lawbreakers, we now come under the position of being qualified to receive wrath of God, punishment, death, eternal separation. We come under a condition that as we even live our lives, we are suffering from something I would call sin sickness, moral depravity, inability to choose what's right in our day to day. And it's something we cannot change on our own, but thanks be to God for the Christmas story. Thanks be to God and the Christmas story because the Christmas story, God initiates a plan that only he could create, only he could come up with because it's only a problem that's big enough for God to solve. And the beginning of the solution is that he sends an angel to a virgin pledged to be married to a carpenter in a little town called Nazareth in the first century and he tells her, Mary... You have been chosen. You've been chosen to be the one who will be the mother of the Messiah, the mother of the Savior, the mother of the one who will bring about solution to this problem. How will this be since I'm a virgin? Mary says, well, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. This will be a miraculous conception. And because the Holy Spirit will come upon you, the child that you will, will give birth to, first of all, will be a human being because it's from you. And as a human being, this child can represent humanity. He can represent me and he can represent you. He's one of us. But also, because the Holy Spirit has come upon, he'll be called the Son of God. In other words, his nature will be divine. He will be God in the flesh, which means that his life value is equal to the price required for every one of us to pay because of our disobedience to God for being lawbreakers. And this man who is God will live a life without violating the law. He won't break the law himself, and therefore his life will be free of the requirement to pay the price lawbreakers are due to pay, and therefore it can be offered up as a substitute if he chooses to do so, if he willingly gives up his life, a life that does not require payment for himself, but instead gives up his life eternal in value to pay the price that every one of us is due to pay. And the story tells us, right, that Jesus, because of his love of the Father and the love of us, does go to the cross. And he does give up his life, our representative, giving up his eternal life in order to pay the price that each one of us is due to pay because of our law-breaking. And he is brought back to life from the dead. He's resurrected. That's what we will celebrate at Easter. He's resurrected so that the consequences of sin is neutralized once and for all. 
And now a way to be made right with God is open that is not on our own effort, apart from the law, Paul says. A way to be right with God is being open to us that goes like this. Those of us who are lawbreakers will escape the penalty. Praise God. Why? Because one who kept the law suffered the penalty in our stead. That doesn't sound fair to me. That doesn't sound the way it needs to be. You're right. It's not fair. It's grace. It's a gift. And the miracle of Christmas goes beyond the fact that God became a child and dwelt among us. No, it actually goes beyond that to the fact that now we have a way that we can be made right with God by grace. And we can access that way through faith, believing. By grace, through faith, at baptism, the occasion in which we receive the blessing God gives to us so that we can live for God, so that we can return to the original intent of creation. We can live in fellowship with God. God can know us and we can know God and we can walk with Him in life and have life that will run all the way through to eternity. The miracle of Christmas is that God has made a way for us to be made right with Him if we believe. At the end of our candlelight services, we ask that you would take a candle, the candle that you've received. If you have kids, please make sure that they are under control. If they're prone to pyromania. Please stand, and we're going to light the candles that we have here. And we're going to ask that you would light your neighbor's candles, and we're going to spread the light. Come on. We're going to spread the light. And as we spread the light, we're going to ask that you would remember the proclamation of faith that we're making here and now. That light has come into the world, a light that has dispelled the darkness. God has made a way for us to be made right through Jesus. The miracle of Christmas, the miracle of Christmas is that God sent his son for us to pay the price, to provide a way of grace. Thank you for listening. You can interact with us online at our website, www.mtcarmelchurch.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.